Amen. Let's uh, let's pray together. And as uh, we're praying, y'all can go uh, sit down and uh, wash your hands. Let's uh, let's pray together. Uh, Almighty God, we thank you for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth, and we ask that you would speak to our very souls. In in the, these times of uncertainty, will you sear in our very soul the certainty of your love? and of your power uh, for us, for your world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, um, this we're still in our series on minimalism. If you've noticed, that's what our series is. It's about decluttering and focusing on what is important. Now, we picked that a number of months ago, figuring it would work really well in the season of Lent, a season of preparation for Easter, uh, where so that we'd be ready to celebrate the, the death and resurrection of Jesus together. And I promise we did not pray for such an obvious opportunity for minimal living especially for many who are quarantined in your homes. Uh, just the other day, I was out practicing social distancing with my neighbor. Uh, and I was in the street. She was in her driveway. And she was saying um, that uh, she was home with her three children and that she realized she had been complaining about life being too busy. For months and months, he was complaining about, I was too busy with school and homework and dance and sports and practices and performances and recitals. And now, she said, I don't know the theological correctness of this statement, but God has addressed all of those concerns directly. That, that busyness is now gone. The, the, the title of this particular sermon, uh, The Emptiness of Security. I promise that we, we didn't plan that either. Because we've lost a huge sense of our own personal security in this time of virus, this time of pandemic. I mean, I was on a plane 10 days ago. Now, just saying that makes some of you step back. You were on a plane. Where were you and who were you with? Where were you going? And I was coming back from a church um, meeting. But on that plane, one thing about the plane was it was only about a third full. And even 10 days ago, you know, things weren't as ratcheted up as they are now. But even then, if you could feel the tension on the plane. And if somebody sneezed or somebody coughed, then the, the tension was palpable in me and in the plane and even looked at a couple of folks uh, in, in front of me and whenever they heard a sneeze or cough, they would sort of slink down in their seats and they would pull their t-shirts over their noses for about five seconds and then come out like a turtle of their shell. Um, uh, we've lost that real sense of, of uh, security. I mean, it's a terrible way to live. I'm even scared of my own hands. Right? Matter of fact, you can do me a favor. Some of you want this project. During this time, you can see my hands and you can count for me. How many times do I touch my face with my hands? My goal is zero during this time. But some of you can make that your project and you can let me know at the end of the service how many times I touched my hands. 
This is what pandemic does. What this a global outbreak of a virus demonstrates for us the paralysis of, of fear and insecurity in our lives, the, the, which is, is, is true all the time. It's just right now we're all experiencing it together all around the globe. Because evil, pain, death, disease, dangers, they're real and they're present at any and every time. I mean, we breathe polluted air, we, we drink tainted water, we drive in dangerous weapons in our vehicles wherever we go. There are no guarantees. Yet at this time, it's painfully obvious to all. And we're all asking a question, how do we live, not just live, but how do we thrive in a day characterized by risk and danger? I mean, the, secu- the illusion of our security has been revealed. Now, Ecclesiastes, the writer we've been reading from as we've been going through this series on minimalism, has a word of truth for us. And, and, and he, they're encouraging words, uh, words that he, that he tells us, we're not fools for having fear of the danger and risks of life. We're not fools for that. Matter of fact, he would say in other places, we're fools if we deny it. If we don't address the reality of random disasters and the inevitability of calamity. I mean, that is the way of right, of, of life. And the writer Ecclesiastes, what he's done, for those of you that have um, uh, heard us speak about this, you, you know this, but for those that are joining with us today for the first time, Ecclesiastes is from a writer who's, who's taking a look, taking a look at all that is under the sun and making observations of what, what he sees and giving us his wise insights. And when he looks around the world, what he sees is the inevitability of calamity. He sees the, the, the reality of disasters. And he sees our ignorance. Not in a bad way, but just that we can't know, you know the future. And that, but that is the way of life that he sees. Now, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And as we look at that, there'll be a phrase that's repeated four times in those six verses. Three times exactly the same. One time, it's just a little bit different, but it's the same meaning. And what I want you to do is we read through it. You try to identify it. And if you're on comments and you think what it is, you figured out what it is, then go ahead and throw it in your comments. I'll see if I am, can multitask and talk and look at this at the same time um, and uh, see when you um, get it. But it's Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And feel free to turn there in your Bible or you can read it on the screen with us. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. 
If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Again, this topic of the emptiness of security was picked months ago. Yet this text was written millennia ago. So, did anybody... uh, See that, I'll look in my phone and see if you're there yet. You know, there's about a 10 second delay from when I talk and when it gets to your mouth. So there may be such a long delay um, then to get to my phone that I won't be able to see it. But I'll trust that you saw it and I won't wait, wait any longer. Because the the phrase is, you do not know. Uh, says it to, um, you know not, in verse 3, but then three times in verse 5 and 6, makes it clear that you do not know. We do not know. In our humanity, our limited humanity, we do not know what the future holds. We never do. It's just plain and obvious to the world today. But every day, that is the case. How then do we, and this is what the writer of Ecclesiastes is addressing, how then do we live in the present when we don't know the future? Because there is no way for us in our limited humanity to know what the next moment will bring. It's one of the truths that we need to know. That we can't know what the next moment holds. In a way, it's sort of freeing. It's freeing to recognize that limitation because then we stop trying to know what's impossible, which can sometimes prevent us from doing what is possible. One of the points that the writer of Ecclesiastes is is saying here is that we have to engage in this world even though it's fraught with risk and uncertainty. We can't be caught in the paralysis of analysis. We can't wait for the perfect time. Chapter 4 says the same thing. He says, don't just keep observing the clouds or watching the wind because if you keep doing those, you won't sow, you won't reap, you won't do the stuff that you need to do. If you're waiting for the perfect time, it won't come. You know, there are a number of current proverbs that we have that sort of say the same thing. One of them um, goes something like like this, that... that The only way to not miss a shot is to never take one. I remember with my kids when they were applying to colleges or when they were applying for jobs or other things. um, They said, well, should I apply to this one? I really want to go here, but I don't know that I'll get it. I don't know that I'll get this job. I don't know that I'll get this uh, award or get into this college. And I said, well, this is what I do know. I know if you don't apply, you won't get in. Other than that, I don't know. 
How many times are we paralyzed with our analysis that we try to figure out the future that we don't take the action that we can take towards possibly receiving whatever that gift, whatever that award, whatever that acceptance might be. So we can't wait for the perfect time. We can't study all the stuff because then we're, we're sit there in the paralysis of analysis. We have to engage. We have to participate in this world. Then in verse 2, he says, um, uh, give a portion to seven or even to eight. Now, let me back up a little bit. You know, that chapter, that verse 1, where he says, put your bread on the water. Get engaged. What he's probably talking about there is maritime trade. Probably saying, folks, you know, if you're a farmer and you make wheat or whatever it is that you farm, you go ahead and put it on the ships. Put it on the ships that will go out to other places um, so that to sell your goods, and eventually it, it will come back to you. He says, but put it on seven or eight of them. Don't just put it on one. Realize the risks. Realize the inevitability of calamity. The disasters are going to happen. Don't just put, as we would say today, all your eggs in one basket. Be wise in how you engage with the world. Don't let the dangers paralyze you. But then don't willy-nilly, without really considering the realities, just do it without wisdom. Engage in this world with wisdom. Now, I want to give you a very practical example of that in my life, in our family's life. This is not a biblical command. This is how we, the Smith family, applied this biblical wisdom in our lives. And it had to do with purchasing insurance. Yeah, I know, it's rather mundane. Uh, but some people would say, we don't need insurance. We just need to trust God and believe in God and God will provide for us. Now, I don't disagree with that at all, that God will provide. And I trust God with everything. But he has, and as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, given us responsibility to engage in this dangerous world in a way of wisdom. Um, so one one example for sure in our family was life insurance. You know, do I practice, do I buy life insurance? Well, it was 21 years ago, thereabouts, when my third child was born, that we bought life insurance. We, because of all the, the possibilities of calamity and the responsibilities we had with three children and a home and education and food and all the rest for the rest of their lives. We bought life insurance. Now, I know any insurance broker that's listening to this has now already probably put their uh, phone number and contact information on the, the website. And I promise I get no commission from any of that. It's just a practical example. Now, today, um, my it's 21 years later, so my youngest is 21. They only have one more semester of school to pay for. That life insurance has gone down. We've gone from a family of five to a family of two. And thankfully, we didn't have to use it. We were glad that we didn't, but it seemed to us a wise decision to do just in case, knowing that we can't know the future and knowing that calamities are real. How are wise ways we prepare? 
I would say the same thing about automobile insurance and medical insurance. We've had enough accidents as a family that it's probably paid for itself. And we've had enough uh, extended hospital stays and significant diseases and drugs that we've had to, to purchase as a family that that has provided as well. And I would say, do the same in our own lives, in other areas. And edu- that's why we get an education to prepare us to be able to, to work in this world. It's why we want to continue to multiply our skills so that we have the capacity to work in this world. And why uh, financial investors say it's why you should diversify your investments. Here's your passage right here, Ecclesiastes 11.2. How we engage in this world in practical ways of engaging in this world that's filled with danger and uncertainty, the, 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 that uh, we engage in this world in wise ways. But the, if you look also at verse 5, um, uh, those, those are the things we know we can't know the future. How do we address it? But we, we do know the one who does know the future. God is the one who knows what tomorrow holds. And in verse, verse 5, he, he hints at that. The writer hints at that. He says um, that you do not know the work of God who makes everything. It's God who makes everything. It's God who knows all of time. We mentioned this last week. It's God who gathers together the future, the present, and the past in one embrace. God looks at time as one panoramic picture. He knows the past, present, and future, and He's present in all right now. That's the the beauty and power of God. Whereas we experience time like a video, but it's uh, we don't have control over it. We can't rewind or we can't fast forward. We just take what comes in the moment. We can only experience time in the present. But God is the one who knows all of time right now. Now, given that, our our, our series of minimalism is we're called to how do we declutter and focus on what is important? Well, I want you to declutter. Here's our challenge is to declutter. Declutter what you don't know and focus on what you do know. Now, when you declutter... That doesn't mean you just grab everything and throw it away. When you declutter, you, you just sift through things. You discern what, what you have, what you, what you brings you joy, what brings you usefulness, what is good for you, and then you get rid of the rest. We did this last night in our quarantine activity. We went through the, one of the rooms in the basement. And we, Got the junk that was in there, or I'm sorry, the stuff that we had in there. And some of it we put in the keep pile. Some of it we put in the give to its rightful owner pile. And others we said, this is the sell pile and this is the throwaway pile. This is the feast of love, heartbeat of the city pile. We discerned, we decluttered by doing that. Now you do the same thing with the risks in your life, with the challenges in your life. You declutter, you sift through what you don't know to to focus on those risks that you do know something about that you can focus on. 
and all the other you eliminate. I wish we could eliminate all risk, but we can't. I wish, wish we could get that all out of our mind, but we can't. What is what we can know to address the uncertainties and risks in our lives? Now, one, one of the things, again, practical example of this is simply in our health. In the, the journey of life, of ways of, of thriving in our lives, one certain way to stop us thriving in our lives is to die. Everybody's going to do it. Everybody's going to die. But how do we keep that at bay? How do we pursue health so that we don't die prematurely? Well, um, there are... Uh, the, the CDC, which now is a household word, everybody's best friend, the, 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 the Center for, the, or, what is CDC again? Disease Control. What's the first C? The Center for Disease Control. Thank you, Daryl. Yeah, it just went out of my mind. Um, but the CD, according to the CDC, here are the, you know, the, the top two causes of death in America are heart disease and cancer. And that's 45%, almost half of deaths in America is because of that. Yeah, the next three, you've got almost 60 to 65%. Uh, and that's uh, accidents, stroke, and then lung disease. You know, so th- these are things we know. And what do we know about how to prevent those, how to address those particular risks? Well, we know we need to eat in a way that's heart healthy. Uh, we know exercise is good to fend those off. Uh, we, we, we know we need to go to the doctor periodically to get screened for cancer the, that can be prevented and can be noticed early. We know that if we get on a bike, we need to wear a helmet. If we get in a car or a vehicle, wear a seatbelt. Those are things that we do know that we can do. We, we know with coronavirus currently, you know, that, that we need to wash our hands, we need to sanitize our hands, we need to practice our social distancing. But when we go overboard in fear, focusing on what we don't know, then we hoard a year's supply of toilet paper. Or we go and collect, if it's all, we turn inward and we go collect all the hand sanitizer within a 50 mile radius and we sell it at exorbitant prices. Or we line up to buy guns and bullets. Those are the highest sellers, toilet paper and guns and bullets. That's fear run amok and turned inward. And it happens in our, when our insecurity is revealed in our limited knowledge and minimal control are made plain to us. Now, again, practical application of this, of decluttering. Uh, decluttering what we, we don't know. Now, many of us have time. We have time to consider these important decisions, wise preparation and responsibility, things like insurance and retirement or doing our will. My wife just got really excited because she is the responsible one of the two of us and saying, you know, we need to change our will. Our, our, our youngest is 21. It's time to do that correctly. And, and I pray that you'll take time 
that maybe you have more, you don't have more of, but maybe it's less crowded in this season. With God's wisdom, seeking God's direction, with the wisdom of others around you, to explore what are the things in your life like this that I've been talking about, insurance, retirement, your will, whatever it might be, that you need to declutter. You need to focus on what you do know of those risks, dangers, the inevitable calamity in your life. Do so in the wisdom of God. Declutter what you don't know and focus on what you do know. Better yet, focus on who you do know. I know this is trite. It's a, it's a trite saying, we, we don't know the future, but that we know the one who does. Maybe trite, but it's true. We know the one who knows and created time, who knows and created the future. So let us be sure we're focusing our attention on knowing God, on the one who does know the future and the one who holds the future. That's why I do believe us gathering and singing together of God's praise, gathering around His Word, is essential for our life right now and every day. Because even now, we may be aware of our limited knowledge. In another year, this will pass by and we'll be right back where we were, thinking we know the future, thinking, living um, without awareness of the, the, the struggles and challenges and our limited knowledge in this world. You don't need to, to run to, to toilet paper nor to guns and bullets for security. We can run to the sure and certain hope of the love of God that is in Jesus Christ who has defeated disease, who has defeated death, in whom we can have peace no matter what the circumstances. I ran across a letter from a pastor from Wuhan, China. I'll put the whole letter on our our website sometime this week. But he wrote this letter in the end of January, which was the peak of the virus in Wuhan at the time. Now, now they're on the other side of the curve. If you've been following along, flattening the curve, their, their curve is now ended But he wrote this letter in the midst of his chaos, in the the, the midst of all that was going on with the uh, with in Wuhan at the time. He wrote this letter to Christians around the world, and I wanted to share with you just a little of what he had to say. He said, "We are to seek the peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ reign in your hearts. Christ has already given us His peace." But his peace is not to remove us from disaster and death, but rather to have peace in the midst of disaster and death. Because Christ has already overcome these things. Otherwise, we have not believed in the gospel of peace. And with the world, we would be terrified of the pestilence. And we would lose hope in the face of death. We, we Christians, we have this peace because the worst disease of all, our, our sin has been conquered in Jesus. We are all sinners. But Christ, he goes on, because of faith, 
took our penalty and gave us his peace. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says, Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Christians may, with the world, face the same tribulations, but they are an opportunity for us to grow nearer to the Almighty. Their opportunity to purify our souls and an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And then our pastor from Wuhan then quotes Romans 8. He says, As Paul firmly believed, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we do know. Is more real even than the insecurity of this world is the very security of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, feed the faith during this season. Take time to read and study His Word. Take t- Continue to, to engage as we have worship gatherings. Engage with others and what other means are necessary to support and help one another know that this is the truth. That God is the one who is sovereign. That God has conquered death and disease. That He's the one we can trust and obey no matter the circumstances. Now, some, some of you, you're, you're listening to this and you don't know God. You, you don't, you don't, you're not a, a believer in Jesus Christ. I, I invite you, if that's the case, I invite you now to consider following Him. Put your trust in Jesus. It's a lot better than toilet paper or bullets. Find a security. Find your security in the one who is greater even than death. Simply by prayer. Just say, God, I want that kind of security. Forgive me for ways that I've just ignored you or denied you. And help me to know the certainty of your love. I believe that he'll answer. You pray, he'll answer and give you that sense of certainty in the depth of your soul. And then find a fellowship of believers. Right now, do it online. You know, continue on. But when this passes, find a fellowship near you that you can plug into. Where this security, this sure and certain security will be fed. A certainty that is greater than anything of this world. And and for all that do know Jesus. Continue to feed the faith, as I said. And think about, dream about with me. What do you think the world would be like? What would your family, your neighborhood, what would our city be like if we, as the followers of Jesus, truly did focus our attention on what we know to be true? That we decluttered our life from the things we don't know and the uncertainty and we focused on what we know. 
Think about that for us as a church. At College Hill Presbyterian Church who, who wants to grow a diverse community of Jesus followers. Then we would be growing because we would not be scared or intimidated to share the peace that we have in Jesus with others. We would be growing because we'd be inviting others to come alongside of us. And we would be a diverse community of folks committed to Jesus together because we'd see our our differences as beautiful because what we would focus on is what we know. Our peace is in Jesus. And then, even in the midst of these kind of global disasters, we'd be free. We'd be free to take the risks that maybe we need to take that God would have for us to take as followers of Jesus who went to the cross for us. We would go where He would lead us, whether it's a risk or not. So our charge this week, declutter what you don't know and focus on what and who you do and see what God might do in and through us. Amen.